What's up, guys? Welcome to the DJ and Dads podcast. I'm Chris, joined by my co-host Kyle today. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things that happened throughout last week and the weekend in the NFT and overall tech space. So definitely stay tuned for all of that. Some of the topics we're going to be talking about, one thing that we're just going to hop right into after our introduction is Mark Cuban got over $800,000 in assets drained from him over the weekend. We'll talk about why and kind of everything around that. Uh, SEC is also suing stoner cats. This could have implications on a lot of other big projects that we know about in the space maybe even vv so we're going to talk about that in a little bit and of course rec league uh, gaming tournament and just web3 gaming your boy kyle's on that top of that leaderboard so he's gonna maybe even give you some more alpha on that throughout the podcast today and uh with all that being said what you got for us on the market today kyle Man, just as kind of expected, the NFT market has kind of legged down just a little bit more, uh, given a couple of outliers like Pudgy Penguins, for example, that have actually flipped Azuki, which is a big deal in my opinion. But yeah, the overall market not looking too good. I think there's like, what, 24 billion volume is is the chart here. I'm not actually sure what chart I'm looking at. But um, if we look at the macro, you can see a total volume here that continues to go down in the last three months. And really like leading up until today it just keeps going down so could this be the bottom or could we see even more bleeding in the market um this will be something to definitely be on the lookout and i know people are out there kind of consolidating some of these projects that they finally are able to afford i've seen people look at some of these more blue chips like the pudgies the the d gods and the the mutant apes for example as as some of those but uh, yeah, that's kind of the overall macro of the NFT space, man. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a lot of attention right now is on Frentech. Uh, volume's actually still up is on buying volume on that. I don't have a chart in front of me right now. I was just looking at it over the weekend. And uh, as you know, like with anything that's like hyped up, people kind of gravitate towards that thing. And uh, that's where that's where the money's at. And I, I still think as far as NFT goes, there's just a really bad sentiment. You know, we even we're going to talk about how like, you know, Stoner Cats is getting sued. That might put a target on many NFT projects backs. Uh, attention to also on Web3 Gaming, which, uh, you know, like a lot of money is going to flow into that, maybe across project, projects. Uh, despite the market being bad, uh, I didn't even mention this uh, in the seg- segments that we're going to talk about, but I had a free mint last week that's almost worth half an ETH now. It was Sugartown. It was uh, by Zynga, um, you know, very well known for their Facebook games like Farmville. Uh, I think they bought Words of Friends. I don't know if they produced it or bought it. Uh, they had some like very well-known games. Well, they created an NFT project, and there's very little known about it right now other than like the supply and that you know who's behind it. And the last I checked last night, it was like 0.4. I don't know what it's at this morning, and I minted it for free last week. So there's definitely still volume in the market overall. Yeah, and Pudgies was kind of like one of those obvious plays as well where the IP kind of looks good. It looks like it's one of those brands that could go mainstream. And just to see their success, like with Amazon, the physical side, they're doing like fidgetals and all kinds of stuff over there. Um, They even have like their own mini game. I think they even are focusing on Web3 Gaming as well um, in the macro things. So just to see like those outliers, like in the kind of obvious plays, like when you see that, we've talked about this on the podcast so many times about Pudgy Penguins, for example, doing really well. So to me, this is not too big of a surprise to see them do so well here in the short term. And uh, again, we'll continue to bring the good alpha here on the channel. We talked about Zynga last week. That could have been a play for you guys there. So 
Um, you know, none of this is financial advice, but we are also bringing that alpha for entertainment purposes only, baby. Let's go. Uh, it always feels better to talk about something when it's completely free, other than the transaction cost. So, yeah, that was a that was a win. Honestly, it was a win for pretty much anybody that bought at any price because it's kept on going up. But you know, who knows? Well, you know what, what tomorrow holds. So, what, what's up with these stoner cats that you're saying, uh, and it could it could affect Vivi? <laughs> yeah, with the stoner cats. Um, yeah, they're getting sued for uh, their actual like SEC press release pulled up. Just a second. Um, so it says they sold to investors more than 10,000 NFTs for approximately 800 each, selling out in 35 minutes. The orders after stone cards. Okay, so one of the things I want to specifically talk about Vivi uh, on this and the reason like, why I think it links is me and you talked about this. Um, I don't – I'm still trying to glance at it. It looks like they uh, they made $8 million, but they – I think they're settling for $1 million. I'm not seeing that yet. Yeah, yeah, the civil penalty of $1 million, so they still profited $7 million after this. But all that to say – uh, you're actually the one that told me this originally that uh, don't they have to like burn the supply that they still currently have like to settle this lawsuit yeah. as well. So I was wondering, you know, the first thing that that popped in my head is if something ever like this happened with Vivi, I think the finances would be kind of a slap on the wrist. It would probably be a bigger number than this, but and it it would obviously hurt Vivi, but it wouldn't like end Vivi, you know, it would just suck. But what would be interesting is if like they did the same thing to Cerner Cats and they're like, "Hey, if you're holding any of your own assets, you got to burn them." Dude, you know how many assets that is? <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that, so that that uh, don't they have to like burn the supply that they still currently have like to settle this lawsuit yeah. as well? So I was wondering, you know, the first thing that that popped in my head is if something ever like this happened with Vivi, I think the finances would be kind of a slap on the wrist. It would probably be a bigger number than this, but and it it would obviously hurt Vivi, but it wouldn't like end Vivi, you know, it would just suck. But what would be interesting is if like they did the same thing to Cerner Cats and they're like, hey, if you're holding any of your own assets, you got to burn them, dude. You know how many assets that is? <laughs> These projects, which really scares me, because they can start looking at the bigger platforms out there now and going back into their marketing from years ago. Um, as we saw with Stoner Cats, they pulled out like some random silly tweet that was talking about sweeping the floor. And they said, see, look at this tweet. Um, you guys are making this a financial, like basically promising gains because you're saying that, you know, you have all these Hollywood celebrities, you have all of this, that and the other. So you start looking at each platform and you're like, uh, that doesn't look too good uh, for some of these platforms that have like promoted like either utilities, future you know, um, you know, even renting of collectibles, things like that. So that does actually really, you know, worry me. But yet, like you said, it could just be a slip on the the wrist here, and they still could be fine. But then the SEC is making projects like Stoner Cats burn NFTs in their control. But what if the platform centralized? So that is kind of a scare, um, and it's something that definitely needs to be talked about a little bit more. I don't know. I'm not an attorney. Um, you know, like you said, it could just be like a slap on the wrist, and you just move on, and you just have you know maybe vv has to burn like just the the gold and silver logo like i don't i hate to be a fudster on that end but um i don't know i don't think it would be implicate the whole platform i think it would just like you said be a slap on the wrist but it's still something to to pay attention to do you remember how much percent of supply Um, they hold every drop oh that's a good point (laughs) i don't want yeah i don't know um i think they've i think it just depends on the collectible itself so um they i know they have a lot held back um, but that is something 
obviously to pay attention to. I didn't think about that. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Um, dude. They, they, their inventory they have held back is like insane. Like they definitely have like the first 42 yeah. collectibles of like every collectible. Like, yeah, I saw you know, and this isn't limited to VV. This could go. This is like implicates like every single NFT project out there. Period. That have sold NFTs to like U.S. citizens and things like that, and that falls under the under the jurisdiction of you know obviously the United States government, aka the SEC. So. Um, definitely something that is worrisome. This is a, a trend line that is happening now. It's a trend because first it was impact theory and now it's stoner cats. And it's a clear trend at this point um, around the marketing specifically tying, tying it in with NFTs. I, I found the exact segment in the SEC press release. Uh, it says and it's an interesting context too. let me know what you make of this. It says the order establishes fair fund to return money to the injured investors that pay to purchase NFTs. It also agreed to destroy all NFTs in possession or control and publish notice of the order on its website and social media channels. I actually skipped over this part. Um, it says that Sterner Cats agreed to cease and desist order and pay civil civil penalty of. So, you know, if they're doing a cease and desist order, like, are they cutting operations in total? Or is it just, like, just maybe, like, a temporary thing until they pay the $1 million and they fix some things? Like, what's your interpretation of that? Yeah. I don't know the you know full litigation or like what the settlement involved. I didn't you know I didn't read the entire settlement or anything like that. But I assume it's just like anybody that was quote unquote dam you know damaged uh, financially from this can go in and, and um, you know claim a refund if they so choose. Like with Impact Theory, Tom Billy specifically said that basically um, they've issued refunds already at that point. So by the time we're seeing this news. Um, they probably already like facilitated all of this um, by by the time we were reading it. Sure. And that's what happened with Impact Theory. So um, they had to burn it with Impact. They had to burn all the founders keys. So on a case for case basis, this is what's happening. And um, and that's a lot of founders keys, man. I mean, wow. Just because he said that they were going to be like the Disney of Web3, like he wasn't promising gain specifically. He was just outlining his vision for the project. And like that's that, like, like it wasn't that's stupid that, that he's getting that, hit for that so hard. Yeah. And that was enough to get sued by the SEC. So that that is super worrisome for literally any project you hold at this point, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, scary times, man. If you're not just a plain digital collectible, um, then you, you kind of have some trouble to worry about, you know, or if you market it a certain way. Yeah, man. And one thing I'd like to note is that even though they generated over 8 million in proceeds, it's still got to hurt because what a lot of mistakes that uh, NFT projects have made is that they raised this in ETH and then they kept it in ETH. Now, I don't know what Stoner Cats did originally, but if ETH was like $4,000, you know, hypothetically, I know that would be high, uh, when they raised this money, and now ETH is worth less than two thousand. Then they really raised four million dollars, uh, you know. And on top of that, or you know, hypothetically, like they raised eight million, but now it's worth four million. And then if they paid their taxes on that, you know, they paid what thirty percent, whatever. Like at this point, they might have only had you know two, three million dollars after taxes and after ETH went down. If they held it on ETH, and you know they might have delivered to their holders something. I don't know much about Stoner Cats whatsoever, but if they've already like tried to deliver to their holders, they might not have. I mean, they might have settled, you know, but they might have really had to find that one million dollars. They might not have had it in their treasury or anything. So 
you know, people look at this and are like, oh, 1 million out of 8 million. I might've even kind of said that earlier. Like that doesn't sound that bad. It looks like you're still profited 8 million or $7 million, but that's not quite the case. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I, I lost, you guys aren't going to see this, but Kyle lost me for, for a minute, but you're going to get the nice cropped version of it. So Kyle's just like, man, I'm just, I just don't trust that you're going to, you're going to still be here. But one topic we glazed over uh, that I want to go back to real quick is uh, Mark Cuban did get uh, over $800,000 in assets drained. Um, and what he ended up doing was he went and typed in MetaMask to his browser and he clicked on the first thing that popped up, which is more than likely an ad. And he essentially downloaded malware and imported his wallet into a into a scammer's, address, or a scammer's wallet. And uh, one thing that I find very interesting about this whole thing is it kind of goes back to like Vitalik, the uh, founder of Ethereum, was hacked like a week or two ago. Um, and the hacker or the fisher, whatever technical word you want to use, uh, didn't really execute as much as he could have. And I kind of felt the same way about Mark Cuban's guy that was fishing him. The guy had to send out all the assets individually, asset by asset. So it took the dude a long time. And somebody eventually alerted Mark Cuban about it to the point to where uh, it saved Mark Cuban $2 million in assets uh, because he got alerted about it. I'm very surprised somebody that's you know smart enough to get into Mark Cuban's wallet didn't have like an auto transfer just being able to drain all of his assets. Yeah, this one is interesting. Uh, smart Cuban, high profile. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to think of this one. He he hasn't been using, you know, reportedly hasn't been using anything Web3 in a while. So he like logged back in. Probably, like you said, probably click on a phishing link um, and, you know, got some of his crypto drained and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of like, dude, what were you thinking? Like, why would you have that much assets still in a hot wallet? So um, the rule for me is always having, you know, at least at a minimum, having three different wallets if you can, you know, one hot, one semi-cold and one deep cold. Um, the reason why that, you know, if you have a high valued assets, you want that obviously in your deep cold storage wallet where you don't touch any contracts, you don't do anything with it, you don't surf the internet. Um, and that's essentially what people have to like connect their, you know, and kind of realize is like a hot wallet is essentially you're just, it's just your, your, your you know, you're open, you're just browsing the internet with it. You don't want to do that with your, with a, you know, your bank and your vault, you know, you don't want to be browsing the internet with your most expensive items. So it's kind of one of those learning experiences for Mark Cuban and hopefully he'll educate people on how to not do that in the future. Can we call it, a, can <laughs> I mean, we call it a deep freeze wallet? I like deep, I like, deep freeze. Yeah. I like deep freeze. Well, nobody, I, I mean, nobody uses that term in web three. Can we for start the past, it? Like, five years can we create it <laughs> or longer well, we use that let's, uh, you, let's be honest web3 needs a good rebrand like web3 in itself like is a little cringe now to like the general public nfts yeah. are like not like to the general public so if we call if we call a cold wallet a cold wallet and we should call it a deep freeze well nobody i mean it's general consensus among the entire crypto and nft space like what a cold wallet is so um because it, it, it's literally that it clicks right because you have your it's cold in a wallet so cold wallet so deep, if you say deep freeze people aren't going to understand it's a wallet mm. you know what i mean so well maybe i'll just call it that and people will have to adapt yeah i mean i think the technology like you're seeing ledger have cool devices and things like that there's easy ways to to store even tangum wallet now has a cool uh it's like it looks like a visa card 
And it's actually better. It's got better security than the ledger. You can store oh, wow. assets in there. Um, it comes preloaded with like a, a seed in there that you can't actually extract. Or I think you you can now. They have like an option to, but like you have to have like there's no way you can connect to that device unless you have like the actual app and it's synced with that device. So the security is like pretty insane, and they've uh, worked with Samsung to develop their actual chip inside their their card in conjunction with Samsung, like the semiconductor or something like that. So um, they're pretty pretty legit. I didn't add this to our list of things segments today, but I did see that Ledger. I don't know if this is an announcement or a reminder, but you can actually use uh, One Inch, which is like a, a DeFi trading platform, like within Ledger itself um, to like keep you protected and keep everything within Ledger. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, there, I know there's like a little controversy around Ledger and even Trezor, but again, Tangum Wallet, um, they have like an app and you literally just like put your phone to the card. And they also enabled like I think Apple Pay transactions or something. I saw they had some integrations, and they're gonna they're continuing to roll out um, updates. So for me, I might actually take a, a look at that one. It reminds me of like the Akomi card, but this is actually like, like you know not to knock a Akomi card, but this is actually <laughs> like <laughs> legit and it has legit security. Um, I think it's like EAL pl- like plus six or whatever. Um, so and I think Ledger's only like five or something like that so it's like a notch above that sure yeah i have a i have one ledger and i have two treasures that i like distribute my funds from but you know at the end of the day like we got 18 ledgers and 18 treasures and i think self-custody is just like not gonna be for everyone and like even though it was eight hundred thousand dollars like mark cuban's worth five billion so like that's that's not much to him so like that's that's like a you know play money wallet to him but it just looks bad on like the in general space, and uh, particularly because Mark Cuban has always been an advocate, and a lot of people would follow Mark Cuban for this type of financial assets over, uh, you know, other people in the space. So it kind of sucks that it did happen. It was clear during the press releases that he probably didn't have as deep of an understanding about like blockchain than like he has claimed to have. Uh, not even just from like downloading a you know fake metamask but like he just kind of made comments that were like weird i'm trying to think of one of them that i read um you know it's essentially like forgetting what type of wallet or forget oh he thought uh he thought open shout out to ethan with um not ethan easy uh on on this one i heard him say it i didn't read this part but apparently mark thought you could like lock your your nfts or your assets like in OpenSea. And like OpenSea would protect it, almost like a centralized platform to like protect your your assets. But he, he said a few things like that, and he kind of got some wallets confused. So it looks like, in, in my opinion, Mark probably just views a lot of crypto for the financial incentives and doesn't really understand the tech very much, and it and basically just goes from there. Yeah, I think in this case, he's also like really busy. Like he does so much. Um, he's like on podcast is doing he like does a shark tank he's got like all these like fingers and all these different pies and business um so like web3 is pretty you know like for the average normie or somebody that's really busy it can be hard to keep up with so i don't necessarily like blame him for not knowing like every little detail or something like that so um yeah, I don't yeah it doesn't really so doesn't surprise me too much um i i do think that over time like there'll be it'll be easier to understand especially as like more education comes out, bigger platforms educate people, 
like the Samsungs, the Googles and Amazons on Web3 in a more simplified way, then I think, you know, it'll click with people more. But at this time, you have like a lot of tech people running around trying to explain in a techie way to normal people, like how this works. And that sometimes doesn't translate well. Um, But if you, you know, I I don't know, I think that long term, it'll be fine. It didn't help that literally the same week, uh, a pretty well known crypto trader, Jason Casper, he's a content creator, he also got $700,000 for the crypto stolen. And uh, he is like, he does know his stuff. And like, he admits that like, it was like a stupid mistake. Uh, I think so. Apparently, he does not know stuff. If you <laughs> no, I mean you can make mistakes, man. I'm a, I'm an advocate. That I, people, I seen that guy. I'm an advocate that yeah. people make mistakes. Like I I never have yeah, myself in this area, but like, like I, I see how it happens. Now, now his problem was I don't have it pulled up. He kept all of it inside of uh what was it? It was basically just like an unsecure wallet, which I cannot think of the name of right now. And uh, see that that's where I'm like you, you said that see. like. Cold, cold wallets aren't for everybody, but to, no, like, I, didn't say that. I, I, well, you're basically like they, they might not be for everybody. No, but no, no, no. I think they're. I want to clarify. So I want to like, clarify my, my position. Well, well, let me, let me, let me finish here. Okay. Is they're for everybody. All right, if you are in this space, get one. I don't care who you are. Like it, if you can afford it, of course, and learn how to store your assets on a cold device, a cold storage wallet. I mean, you can easily protect yourself if you just take an hour out of your day, learn how to use it, and you're you're Gucci for the rest of like the entire time you're in Web three. Now, not to say like I mean, there could be a time in the future where I might get you know hacked or something, but uh, my all my assets aren't in my hot wallet, so like my Gucci ones, my like high valued stuff. Um, so it's going to be a limited thing if it does happen, and that's what that's kind of my like take on it. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. If you are in Web three, that uh, it's important to have a cold wallet. Um, the reason why I wanted to clarify what I said is I said that self custody is not for everyone, and because I just genuinely think that like a lot of like regular everyday people aren't going to go through the set steps to protect themselves and the mental hurdles. So I think that's where <laughs> platforms like, honestly, I feel like Recur did it great you know, rest in peace, but like where you could like keep your assets on recur and kind of have that centralized point of uh, safety, but you could always choose to take them off at any point, which is what you need to do right now. Um, but that's, that's what I meant. Well, that, that, that's technically like, yeah, yeah. And, and to, to, yeah, like that's a bridge from, you know, kind of like a web 2.5 to web three, um, which I do agree with. Like I've actually was one of the first people to advocate for like proper onboarding and bridges before it was cool. Now you have like all these web three gamers, like onboarding bridges, like, and now it's like a main, more mainstream in web three. And, um, but yeah, like good onboarding, I think is key for sure. Like if you can give users the option to self custody, I think you're doing a lot of service to the end user because it mimics real life. And I think that's what's where everything's going to go is it's going to mimic real life, you know, and, especially I'm talking about digital ownership specifically and even the metaverse, like even further than that, like in the long term future is it's all going to mimic real life. Like if I go to the store, I buy a can of pop, but I can't leave the store with my can of pop. Like what good is it to me? So like it's going to be the same in the digital realm is like self custody to me is being able to take that object that I paid for outside of the ecosystem and do whatever I want with it. And I know that like, you know, brands and IPs will have right currently in this current 
environment will have a little bit of trouble with royalties and some are opting in to do it anyways and some are being patient which i respect both sides so it's not like there's a perfect solution currently but in the long term is where i see it just mimicking in real life like where you just buy your iphone at the iPhone, apple store and you just take it wherever you go because it's you bought it it's your mm. property you can do whatever you want with it so that's where i see things going in the future which we're going to talk about iphone later there uh the 15s are coming in today uh your boy has one ordered and there is an, a software update today for iOS 17 that includes AI features. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you, you know, obviously. And uh, I watched a video recently where it was like based, I don't remember the exact time period, but everybody was like rejecting uh, credit cards and debit cards. Like they were basically saying like, this isn't money, this isn't cash, like what is this? Like it was a Burger King commercial. And like people were like so like, they're mad because Burger King like was accepting cards. And uh, I actually just found this out. I didn't know this, but because uh, I don't eat there. But Taco Bell, um, apparently, our my local Taco Bell doesn't even accept cash anymore. And I was like, whoa, well, that made a that made a full turnaround. Like you had fast food saying like cash is the only form of money to now fast food saying like cash is essentially inefficient or whatever whatever reasons they had with it. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of that with crypto as well. A lot of people thinking that it's crazy, not wanting to go through all the steps to do these things, but slowly over time, I don't think we're going to see like this, like large scale adoption, like 100% or even like 70%. I'm thinking we'll see like, I don't have exact figures on this, but if I had to guess like hopefully 30, 40, 30 to 40% adoption of like people that care about self custody and maybe the rest of people like will interact with the blockchain to some degree, but they won't even know it. Yeah, to me, it's hard to say because right now people are so like, especially you're talking about, you know, collectibles like VV, for example, a lot of people from VV watch, but there's everybody like even in the NFT space, people are so dialed into the now that they're not focusing on where AI is going and how fast it's going to accelerate literally everything digital. Like you're talking about AR, you're talking about even in the physical realm where, you know, you just need a pair of glasses in the future to see everything digital in real life. And then you obviously you have VR headsets and things like that. That's going to progress so fast that, um, in my opinion, people may opt in to actually self custody more than people are are thinking um, in the future. You know, in, in terms of like you actually store it on your wallet, and that wallet still can connect. I think there there's going to be solutions to that. Like you're seeing a wallet delegation where you can still have a cold wallet. And you can delegate some or like a semi cold wallet and delegate that to your hot wallet. Yeah. So there's like definitely solutions out there that in the future, I don't know, people might be surprised. I don't think that there's a real answer to, uh, you know, people say like it's not for everybody um, or it's for everybody or this certain number. I think we just don't know. Like I, I really believe that that with the acceleration with AI, um, we don't know. I mean, we don't know what we don't know, and the future is so uncertain that it's hard to put a number on these things, in my opinion. Yeah, no. No, man, I know. It's, it's going to be 30%. It's going to be exactly <laughs> 2,500,364 people. Well, what if there's only like three people left in the space? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe if, everybody wait, wait, just rugs. Three the people rugs us. <laughs> everything just dies. Like, Gary Vee is right. Everything's going to zero. We're all, you know. If there's three oh, people I'm left kidding. in the space, then one of them will self-custody. 
and then the other two will not. And then they get, 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 <laughs> well, that's thirty three percent. It comes back to my thirty uh, three. That's thirty three percent though. That that beats your percentage <laughs> yeah. by three percent. Wow, it's impossible odds you put against me. So you can't, you know, so, can, can God hold a rock too big for him to hold? You know. So the, the reason why I say that though, with hindsight, is like you look at Ready Player One and like there's ownership there. People are excited about it. You own your stuff. Um, you know, at first it might be a little self custody here and there, like what we're already seeing. Um, and then people all of a sudden like be like, well, I want to own my stuff like I do real life. And then people actually might demand self custody in the future. We don't know. And that's where I'm thinking where, um, I know it's like a hot take because people are like, you know, centralized platforms now, you know, versus not, you know, so I get there's like arguments being made. But at the same time, we don't know because what if people do actually demand this stuff? Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I'll go back to I'll go back to VV real quick. You know, I've I've argued for self custody for a long time, and uh, people are always like, "Why would you want to move all of your collectibles from VV to a wallet?" I wouldn't. I would want to move my high value collectibles to a self custody wallet. You know, like, and that's why. <laughs> that is why. See. That one per so every all you got 100 users, and out of those users, everybody has one high valued asset. What do they want to do? They want to self custody that one asset. Boom, that's all you need for self custody right there to have its use case. Yeah, that's it's it. important. And like that could we could be talking about a lot of money in that one asset. So, like, that, that's, that's always been my argument for it. And like with VB at the end of the day, like, you know, let's. I don't even know whether to say the U.S. or whatever, but depending on where you're located in the world, it very well could be. This is literally in the terms I saw the other day. It's something along the. I'm paraphrasing something along the lines of like, if your country doesn't allow you to trade assets, like we have the rights to like lock your assets. It was, it was around that. Yeah. So like, if you wake up tomorrow, whether it's wherever you live, and it's like your country says no more NFTs then there's really nothing you can do. And like, I know people are going to like, if they made it this far in the podcast, they're gonna be like, you're fudding, but no, I'm looking out for VV users because I care about VV. I've been there since the beginning. And like, that's why it's important to me. Cause like, if, if that were to happen and it was self custody, then I still have my asset. You know, I, I, I still right, have that right. thing, but if, I don't know, it's just, it's a protection thing. And no, I you, totally... you're, you're, yeah, you're totally right. Because on one side, people might think that's FUD, but on the other side, you're talking about consumer protection and we literally don't know. Like, we didn't know with Recur, for example, like how the NFTs were going to work or if we we're going to like have some kind of like process where we can self custody those assets, even though Recur went out of business. But they ended up clarifying and saying that they were going to do that. Right. So we don't know. It's like all about consumers coming together to in a positive way to like ask these questions. And I don't think that's FUD or critical. I think that's just saying like you care enough to bring up these issues because you actually care about your community um and like these platforms are out there first and foremost as a business to make money and then everything kind of comes after that right and so um there's two different angles to this right like you could be a big fan of this platform and get like super involved into it and maybe not be able to see that the consumer and consumer perspective of you're actually you actually do care um you care about it so much that you're willing to um bring up some of these these topics and i think that's important i think that's very um you know to your point i think that's solid critical thinking now recur again i'm on a little pin every time i think about recur i just like to stick myself with it it's literally said oh you can't see me kyle but the viewers can uh the pin says recur it's got a little rocket ship it's kind of ironic um (laughs) but anyways on recur that's a good example too because even though recur has gone out of business 
you have until November 19th to self-custody your assets so that they don't go down with the ship, you know? And like, while these assets very well could be worth zero and nobody could care, maybe they have some sort of value in the future or maybe they're just a good memory or whatever it is, you know, with the, with like the portals, maybe they're relics, you know, in a time where, where digital artifacts try to take off but didn't. But either way, you still, yeah. you still own it. That's a good reminder, by the way, if, you, if you're watching this and you still have your assets yeah. in recur, get them off. Um, I actually have in self custody those, right? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But if <laughs> if you didn't have the option of self custody, you would literally just be waiting for the ship to go down with you because like there's nothing you could do. Right. So I think the end of the story is having an op- just an option to do it because at the end of the day, that that's going to serve the end user and the consumer in a in a good way because now you don't have to self custody all your assets by any means, but that one high valued asset you might want to. And that's just enough use case, just enough value to the end user that that should be um, added into really any platform out there. It doesn't have to be limited, just one. I think all centralized platforms should have an option for you to do that. I think that that serves the, the end user and consumer and really protects assets as well, as we've seen with some of these platforms that have gone out of business, unfortunately. Yeah. Last last thing I'll say on this is uh, I'm not I'm not like going against VV on this like I hope that Cryptoys allows us to self custody I hope that uh, I don't know if Backhal still you know allows us to self custody any any platform that is centralized like I, I hope that the push is towards self custody like that's a very I'm not attacking any individual platform I still love all these platforms but like the, I hope the end goal for all these platforms is having that option. Um, I do want to say real quick, going we're looping back to Jason Casper. Um, he had seven hundred thousand dollars in his in an Exodus wallet, and I'm not exactly sure on the breach. Uh, somebody said that no two FA boy Exodus was right. Yeah, somebody somebody <laughs> Exodus of its funds. <laughs> That's awful, dude. Is he just lost life changing money? I'm sorry, bro. Is he just yeah. lost life changing money? And you're like being like, Better yeah, your funds Exodus. <laughs> Hey, hey, 700K. This dude's probably like been crying for like a week and just like looking for any bit of hope. Probably found this podcast. It's like, man, these guys look positive and encouraging. And then you're just laughing at them, just like exodus of your funds, jerk. Anyways, the uh, I'm not calling the guy a jerk. <laughs> I, I just, maybe the wallet. I, I just know. filled in the blanks. But um, uh, somebody said no to FA. So this happened to any. By the way, this guy looks like he might be a, a VV person. Um, but Exodus said self custody, which means we don't hold customers' funds because this traditional two FA doesn't work. Yeah. Anyway, I wonder if it's like the non two FA and using Exodus, where somebody just found like maybe breached his two FA. I, I don't really or his non two FA. I'm not really sure. But seven hundred thousand dollars. That's that's brutal, dude. So at the end of the day, please self custody, and we'll we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, Kyle, I wanna I wanna ask you, man. You're like obviously like way better than me and more consistent at Rec League. I watched your video; it was very in depth yesterday. I think it was like an 11, 12 minute video uh, breaking down exactly like which parts to like which parts would be good, like what advantages to do and stuff like that. Um, I would really personally like. I know you talked about this too. I, as a, somebody who plays, I don't know how much traction this video would get, but I, w- I would like a video on like uh, specific gaming mechanics. Like, hey, this is when you should guard. This is when you should should be aggressive. Yeah. This is how you should conserve. This is what each move does. But that's a lot of work for you for like a very very niche audience. Anyways, um, right, right, right. Well, what's the no, update, I, man? That's... You've been crushing it on. You've been crushing yeah. it directly. Just just tell us about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I the reason why I didn't do like the super in detail in depth because Rec League gets so small. Um, it seems like right now, I mean, there's, there was a lot of players initially, but um, it seems like they're slowly rolling it out. 
um i you know there i i won't go into too much detail here because i don't even know if like vv people or the people that follow us are like super into gaming yet uh but i think when gaming really starts popping off more and more people will join the fold but yeah with rec league um essentially you have to have really good parts in the game if you really want to compete at the higher levels the game theory is very interesting how they designed everything um how their point system works you literally have to grind all, all the way at the top and when you're at the top, you still have to fight top players to earn more points if you want to really be in the top level echelon uh, of players. But at that level, you start playing against people that have like souped up mechs and it gets really, really insanely difficult because they have the best parts or the best combinations and combinations are super, super important in the game. Uh, as well as the abilities and skills that these parts provide. So, you know, if you attack with all these combos and then all of a sudden you're able to heal very quickly um, with the, uh, one of your abilities and you can power up your ultimate power move, then all those like all at the end of the day, it's like a math equation um, instead of it. Like if you think of it from like a math perspective, um, these guys are just going to beat you based on math. Like they just have better parts and like skills and abilities. And based on math, you can kind of like, have a summation that you're going to lose the match, even if you're better than that person just based on their part. So it's kind of like um, very interesting because it's good for like in a web three world, like not all games are going to be like free to play and like things like that. Um, so it's a different meta type of game. Like it's going to hit a different audience. And I think for the Yuga people that they like that kind of game. Um, now they do, they will have a free to play game, um, and there could be some good things for like really great players that have really great mechs. They can copy their mech to the web two store. So like web two gamers that want to play this game, they'll see that mech. They seen that that guy's a super top player in the game and they want to buy that mech because of that. Um, so there's some opportunity on the, on the actual web two version of this. So it's all really interesting. I think they've done a lot of thought into this. Um, it is kind of like, in my opinion, sort of pay to win. Um, so that is one thing, but at the same time, there's going to be the free version. So it is what it is, but uh, that's the nature of the game. Yeah, man. So I haven't had this much fun in a Web3 game besides Pirate Nation. So I really like just love the whole experience. I will say uh, one thing that I feel like I'm, I didn't mess up on, but I misjudged is kind of like what you said. Like when I first heard about the royalties, like I think if you like copy your Web3 mech to Web2, if a player purchases it, you get like 50% of that purchase. So I think that got me over, not, yeah, that got me overly excited. That's not why I bought my mech, but thinking about it now, it's like I suck too bad for anybody to ever want to buy my mech. And my mech doesn't necessarily like look really cool. So I feel like the only way to actually add value to that is is a couple of things like you're gonna have to be a really really good player like you're gonna have to be like top 10 maybe top 25 and people are gonna if people the game is like mass adopted to any degree uh people are just gonna have to see that that mech won a tournament or came in the top 25 and that they're gonna buy it or you need to be like a popular streamer because maybe just people would want to do that to either support you or just like because they think it's cool i mean i would i would buy somebody's uh mech that i watch you know i think i think that's a cool thing um, but I don't think it's for everybody. I think that's more of like a buzzwords, you know, like, oh, you get 50% of revenue if somebody buys your mech. So it gets people excited. But at the end of the day, I think I misjudged that component because I really, I hate to say this and I could be wrong, but I think like, oh, maybe 90%, I, I'm throwing percentages out there today, um, of of mechs, Web3 mechs are going to be irrelevant for Web2 users. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's obviously that's why I, I think there's a lot of game theory into this for top players and top mechs. Um, they do want that Web3 revenue stream to like bring in more dollars for people that are actually buying parts. So I think OG parts that are like super powerful and OP are going to go for a high dollar amount uh, for that reason specifically. Um, so I think there was a lot of like thought put into that already. And uh, but like you said, a lot of the mechs aren't going to matter. Um, it's going to be either, you know, great players where they're putting their mechs into the store or the actual mechs themselves are super good. And, you know, they can put those mechs in the store, too, where those will be bought. Um, but this all comes back to the game actually being successful. So that is the linchpin of this whole thing is games being successful in general. Otherwise, none of it really matters. Like, there's not going to be a user base for this game if it's not successful. So I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to add more, you know, I, I hope they add more NFT IP into the game as well as yeah. actual real world, I like, you know, actual legacy IP. Um, I think that would definitely do a lot of service for the game and bring in uh, more communities like Cool Cats, Sappy Seals, you know, and, you know, Animoca. Pudgy Penguins. And like, or Mo- but not already- Mocha, Mocha, though, I mean. Because Animoca's yeah, obviously well, already a backer. It'd be cool to see our Mocha, like, if our Mocha's could, well, like, they, uh, Yeah, they... They basically own it. I mean, they own Inway pretty much. So, but you see, what I'm saying like um, I wish, like you know how we we each have mochas. Like if we could like bring in yeah. mocha parts. Yeah, I, I actually think that could be the next like IP that they do. Um, it would I'm make very sense. curious because I've seen them tweet like about that. Like somebody asked and they like did. I can't remember exactly what they said, but it was like eyeball emoji something something something. So I was like, ooh, I think Mochaverse might be like the next IP. Bro, we'll your, see. your mocha literally has like a rocket on its head like that that would be a really awesome freaking helmet or something you know like if you could like hover if you could hover you know if you you could like hover with it or something like i I, you have three eyes on your mocha like maybe that's some type of like uh laser beam or something i don't know like there's something we we are we're only in season one but i do like i I know some people are going to complain because it feels like pay to win and it kind of is but um but that's kind of like web3 ethos like at its core is like you're paying for stuff and there is benefit for you owning that most op overpowered mech because you can copy it to the web2 store so there's like things to think about that are both pros and cons but at the same time they're a pro at at the same time they're a con so i don't know like there's so much interesting thought put into this game that is very very intriguing and uh this could be like a meta that a lot of games do um, even even though it might upset like Web two gamers, like they don't really care about that. They just care about at this point they're doing Web three. I mean they they don't have a Web two just out yet. I think that's coming next year. So, anyways, that's all I have to say on it. I know Gabe Layden's like big into the free NFT thing, but at the same time, Web two gamers hate NFT. So I don't know if that's even a good strategy at this time either. Um, so there's just so much going on. I think it's a matter of time before gamers just adopt it anyways but i saw a post about it uh but i didn't really look it up it was so weird that it didn't make news apparently a doctor disrespect and this other streamer like i said it wasn't tim the tap man it was like another big streamer though uh we're streaming a uh web 3 game very recently that wasn't like uh doctor disrespects like it wasn't dead uh dead drop it was another one i think it was one that was built on avalanche um, yeah godzilla's uh off the grid probably was it off the grid 
I mean, yeah, if, that, if any, I mean, yeah, if yeah. anybody's going to convert the Web two gamers to Web three, it's going to be people like Doctor Disrespect. It's going to be people like Tim the Tat Man. You know, people that have already earned their name and their respect in uh, Web two gaming. You know, trying out these Web three games in ways that like aren't like cash grabby. You know, like buy my Doctor Disrespect suit. You know, that's an NFT or or whatever. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think that's pretty cool. Like uh, that they streamed a game that wasn't his a web three game that wasn't his web three game yeah yeah and he actually is really excited about that game he he actually came out and reacted to it which was really cool to see um so he's very supportive of, of other games like that and he said the graphics are really good it's like the best graphics he's seen so far for like battle royale wow um so he had like a lot of good things and praise to say about it but at the same time he knows it's a web three game and he, he's gonna obviously like support that um but uh, i mean me per my perspective is like i'm for web3 i'm for gamers owning their own stuff like at the end of the day like in csgo you don't necessarily own them it's still like web2 they're still speculative in nature and they're going for a lot of money so why not just be able to own it instead like the technology it's just a technology it's not like you know i i just don't get the the big like i guess pushback against it when there's so many different use cases for nfts and not just you know, cash grab stuff. It could be free, you know, free NFT is like Gabe Layden's trying to do. So we'll see. We shall see. And we'll move on to, uh, but wait, one, one last thing, PUBG creator Crafton. They're doing, um, what's called over dare NFT game with AI creation tools. So that is something as well. Um, again, you're seeing a lot of big publishers, a lot of creators in gaming game developers, um, continue to move into web three. And this is like another big example. PUBG was like one of the biggest games in Asia. Um, so this trend line is continuing to go uh, to, towards Web3 and digital ownership, um, which we kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast. I agree. I'm also an advocate of digital ownership, owning your own stuff. That's been basically the theme of today's podcast. Uh, moving on to like the last segment we usually talk about is something that's going on in the AI realm, technology realm. Um, so as you know, the i the recent iPhone was released recently. Your boy already has it pre-ordered. I think it's supposed to come in tomorrow, or the next day. Um, but also, Apple is launching an iOS 17 that is going to be using AI features. Uh, we have voicemail transcriptions, AI autocorrect, a predictive keyboard, and personal voice. Now, the voicemail transcriptions that's pretty cool. I mean, we basically I, I'm wondering the difference of what we already have versus like what they're trying to give us because voicemail transcriptions have already been a thing. You know, like I actually use them. Like I'll read the first like couple lines of a voicemail bef- before clicking on it to see if I care about it, and then obviously like autocorrecting, predictive keyboard. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm wondering how the, these are going to differ. Well, I think the voicemail transcription is live. So as they're leaving you a voicemail you're supposed to see it like on the front of your screen as you're getting a call. So it's not like after the fact, it's actually during, it's like live. So it kind of mimics that old school, like recorder that you would hear on your like home phone back in the day, you know, when you actually had like real like landline phones and you would get that like beep and then you could hear the person leaving the message. So it like emulates that whole vibe from back in the nineties and before that. So I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. That is cool. What do you think about the autocorrect of the predictive keyboard? Like how that's going to differentiate just better, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like autocorrect in iPhones notorious for like making you say audacious statements in your text messages. I don't know what that looks like. I haven't looked into that one, but yeah, that, that sounds like a better 
end user experience. So, um, yeah, I'm good for that. <laughs> yeah, man. I think I remember your last, uh, your last message to me that got autocorrected. You were like, you said something about like, I'm glad Jasper got drained, but you like said you meant to say, Hey, what's up? It was, it was something like that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was like, I was trying to say your coffee tastes good, but I said your coffee tastes like butthole instead, oh, but Dude, actually, yeah, I didn't even talk about that today. I went to a coffee conference in New Orleans last week, and it was freaking amazing. I, I had such a good time, learned so much, but I'll save that for another day. Uh, the last thing that I have in this Apple iOS update, I got a couple. Is the oh uh, yeah, yeah, the iOS okay. is the uh, personal voice again? I haven't seen a demonstration of it, but I'm wondering if it's going to be literally like your iPhone kind of have it has its own like AI generated voice. Cause like, you know, me and you both played around with like 11 labs and other software to where you can basically like create a voice to read to you. So I wonder if like Apple's going to have its own. And I was actually just thinking about this the other day because there's this like really long thing that I didn't really feel like reading. And I was like, man, I wish I could just like slap this in my notes and have my iPhone read it to me. Like, I wonder if, I know that's already possible through some programs, but I, I'm assuming that maybe Apple has its own now, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Oh, thanks for the uh, thanks for the input. <laughs> just kidding. Well, well, I was reading on this, so I kind of like zoned out for a second. Uh, for the next topic, is the celebrities are embracing AI to stay ahead of deepfake makers. So I thought that was interesting. I know we talked a lot about creators and how that was going to go, but apparently, prominent actors are scanning themselves into this thing called Metaphysic Pro to take ownership of their data needed to reproduce their likeness so it sounds like they're trying to get ahead of the curve on this whole ai stuff yeah yeah i remember i guess it's kind of similar to the whole world coin and scanning your eyes to make sure whatever well they're they're scanning their whole like i like whole personhood like into this tool so that like if brand i guess if like movie makers want to use their avatar in their movies they can so it's kind of like a, a step ahead of them but at the same time, it protects their digital like avatar self. Um, and it, so it seems like they're kind of like doing this whole guild type thing. Like the Actors Guild is a big deal um, in Hollywood. So yeah, maybe this still is like strike, bro. I still I saw a TikTok last night striking, bro. Yeah. Um, and Google Gemini, that's poised to take over AI Titans, open AI in Microsoft says decrypt. Um, so they're uh, definitely ramping up. For Dude, that. you know what they're using for that? They're using AI. Yeah, they're they're using they're downloading uh, AI transcripts. I mean, not, not AI transcripts. They're, they're downloading YouTube transcripts and basically using letting AI research the transcripts. That's interesting. So they're using this video right now, probably. Well, that it, they already have algorithms that do that as well, like deep learning. Like they've already been able to title your videos, and so they know what you're saying. And they've been doing this for years before it was like you know before AI was a big thing. They've already had like machine learning and all this other stuff built into like all their products. Uh, and Google actually had AI like already like kind of ready to go before OpenAI. Um, they just were reluctant to actually release it because they thought it was so potent and powerful that they weren't even sure if they should because like how powerful it was. So, um, yeah, Google has been like, I'm surprised, you know, they haven't done something sooner but at the same time, they're trying to be, you know, custodians and stewards. So I do get where they're coming from. I, I did see Google recently because, like, I, I've always heard bad things about Bard. I've never used it myself. But somebody uploaded their their kids' homework to Bard, like just pictures of the homework, and Bard solved it. And they did the entire process within like five clicks. 
Yeah, Bard will like there's pros and cons to it in like for like against like ChatGPT. Like Bard would actually search the internet for me and like summarize and even like their search. Like you can AI generate a search now, a search query. And it's actually really good, very, very helpful. And I know people are like, oh, like ChatGPT and like Bing, but no, like Bard and slash Google like AI generative uh, searches are really incredible. Like kudos to Google for like like adding that to uh, search um, because what you used to like have to scan through pages of Google. Now it takes two seconds and it like tells you the full description of what you search for in a highly um, curated way that really helps. And I think they've done a good job with that. So I have to give them kudos where kudos is due. Um, now I'm not the biggest fan of Google's policies in the past about, you know, their kind of tracking and cookies and all that. But I will say that the product itself does, um, do a good job. I haven't really had strong experience with it, so I don't really have a. Really but in other news, this is interesting, and um, it says here an AI defense startup helping raises helps or Helsing, sorry, raises twenty two hundred and twenty three million to protect democracies. And I thought that one was pretty interesting. Uh, this one's more of a European thing, backing from a big companies like Saab, which is a huge automaker. Um, and they do a lot of other stuff, of course, too. But I thought that was very interesting. This is like, you know, Elon Musk doing the AI that does um, is he his AI is positioned to like search for the truth, and this one is you know defense and protecting democracy. So it's very interesting to see where AI is going, AI, like a different AI agenda. <laughs> yeah, AI agendas. Yes, like everybody's having their own AIs do certain things specifically. Um, and my whole thoughts was like last year or earlier this year is like what happens when, you know, these kind of AIs like eventually are going to bleed over and kind of clash with one another, aren't they? So that's that's like a weird thought. I don't know. Battle of the AI. That, I mean, there's a show called um, with John Caviezel or whatever his name is. He is like, um, gosh, what was it called? It was like most like person of interest yeah where the ai like battled each other out with another ai and it's like these ai like gods like battling it out is like what the show kind of tries to like paint a picture as like these giant like super beings like fighting it out and they're using like humans as pretty much like puppets to do their bidding um one of them's a good ai so like it's trying to protect and like keep people alive well, the other AI is using humans as like puppets to do its bidding. And it's more like an overlord of like humans. And it's like such an interesting show that I think was way ahead of its time. Um, and it's like very thought provoking. That is thought provoking. I, um, I recently heard of an old book. It's like, I guess it's a book. It's like, I don't think it's only like 13 pages. It's called uh, something along the lines like if your mouth, something about it, your mouth being open. Have you heard about it? Oh wait, well, what is it? <laughs> it's called like oh, here. It's like a dystopian that was written like in the nineties. Um, no, I haven't heard of that. Oh, dude, it's awful. Hold on, let, let me look it up real quick. Did you see while you're looking it up? Did you see Cool Cats was the first ever NFT brand at the Macy's Parade? Yeah, recently. I, well, I thought they've already done Macy's parades, but yeah, I did. I did see that they announced that they're possibly going to be at this one coming up too. Yeah, yeah. So they got the giant cat with the carton of milk. I think that's really cool. Bro, I cannot find this book, and I don't want to butcher it, but it's like the most like dystopian story that I've ever 
heard in my life. Like, you know, it's really, really <laughs> dystopian. <laughs> what is ninja alerts when ninjas, Chris? And it says here, Trevor is pleased to announce some milestones or something. Yeah, or dude, like... we got physical merch coming up. It's pretty cool. So our like, uh... me... which is actually it's non dystopian. I wanted to yeah, say it's, that. It's, I should it's just non dystopian. Yeah, our you know, it's not dystopian. Our mints coming up. It's uh, so right now we're doing a contest where if you uh, like if you it's like kind of like affiliate to where if you bring people to our site, get them to sign up. We are actually going to get you a uh, Ninja Alerts merchandise. And uh, I don't know what I'm allowed to say on the merch right now or if it's open yet, but it's really cool. Um, the merch or... The merch is really cool, yeah. Um, and then we're basically doing step-by-step on our on our uh, roadmap uh, to be able to get to Mint. So that's exciting. So check that out. Trevor post, posted the official Mint Day timeline. I'll be posting over across Ninja Alerts and my own to kind of keep in updates. But right now, I would say I, I heard you. I heard merch. I heard the only way you can mint is if you like Ordinals and you like ninjas and you like uh, Ninja Alerts. I, I hear that's like one of the only ways you can actually get and in. And pizza. Is that, is that, oh yeah, you really have to like pizza too. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, I like pizza uh, too. Yeah. No, literally, if you go to the website ninjalerts.com, there's like a list of things that you can do to qualify you for the mint. Uh, yeah, go do those things. They're pretty pretty easy, honestly. Um, so there's your alpha. One thing I th- one AI agenda that I think everybody should have is uh, using AI to subscribe to our channels and to follow our yeah. podcasts and to leave a like button and to share this on X or whatever platform yeah. you're listening to it on. Just interact with it in some way. We would much appreciate it. Uh, been grinding, yeah. uh, sent out a, uh, a form to Pudgy Penguin, speaking of which, the uh, Luca, uh, to come on our podcast. So hopefully that's going to happen in the near future. Would love to have Luca on. Yeah. And um, that's pretty much a wrap for today. I want to end it before the hour mark. Uh, any last words, Kyle? Yeah, I, I just think it's so crucial. You know, if you really want to live in the in the future with AI, you, you have to use it to subscribe to our podcast. And, you know, we're on Spotify and all the other audios. You can take us with you to work or school or wherever you go. Um, when you're riding a bike, you're at the gym. I mean, you got the alpha delivered straight to your ears. Um, that's really all I got. Heck yeah, man. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, for watching, wherever you're tuning in. We appreciate you, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace out, everybody. Peace.